0: I'm so glad you've joined me. In this episode, we'll be talking about relationships and productivity. You'll find more information and links to resources I mentioned in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 177. This episode is brought to you by Fresh Books. So are you a creative or a coach who's trying to make money creating your art or serving your clients? Does the money management side of it give you headaches, you know, the invoicing and getting paid for your good work? Well, FreshBooks can help. FreshBooks is the online accounting software that I've used since I think sometime in 2016, definitely before they became a sponsor of the show. And they're offering you as a productive woman listener, a free 30 day all access trial. So you can find out for yourself how helpful and how really usable it is. So if managing your business's finances is giving you fits, definitely check it out, which you can do by visiting freshbooks.com slash woman. FreshBooks is not only easy to use, even for somebody like me who's kind of not money oriented or, or numbers oriented, but it's also packed full of powerful features that let you manage your business efficiently and effectively and get back to the parts of it that you actually enjoy. FreshBooks lets you set up and send customized, professional-looking invoices just in seconds. You can accept online payment from your customers, so it makes it easy for them to pay you. You can track the delivery and payment of invoices from the helpful, informative dashboard, and you can even track your time and expenses right on your smartphone, getting reports as you need them, which is important as we're coming up into tax time. FreshBooks is simply a great tool for managing your businesses. Finances. And as I've said, they are offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the Productive Woman listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com woman and enter the Productive Woman in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Okay, so this episode is being published on February 14th, which in at least in the United States and in many other countries is Valentine's Day. And so I kind of thought, you know, I don't want to talk about romance necessarily, but it got me thinking about relationships and how they uh, affect our productivity, how our productivity affects those. I think, found myself saying a few episodes ago, and I don't even remember what the topic was, but I, I made the statement that a life that matters almost always matters in relation to other people. And I've been thinking about that ever since I said it and how, why I think that, what that means and why I think that's true. For most of us, relationships are a key component to our lives. In some ways, the defining element of our lives And if relationships, whether personal or business or both, if those are strong, then life is good and we're motivated and energized to pursue our interests and and do the things that are important to us. But if relationships are bad... Our ability to do things we want or need is definitely impaired. Um, You know, as I was working on this episode, I was thinking about a, a friend of one of my sons who recently broke up with his longtime girlfriend, and he mentioned to me that he's having trouble focusing on his graduate school coursework, on his job, on pretty much everything. The fact that that relationship has gone bad has affected everything about his ability to be productive, in the sense of getting the things done. The other things done that are important to him. And I don't think he's alone in that. I think it's true for a lot of us that when our relationships are struggling or in trouble, it affects our ability to do the things we, we want to do. And so I just, I thought, you know, maybe it's a little hokey, but I just thought Valentine's Day would be a good day to, to kind of think about some of this, about relationships and productivity and the interplay there. And as I've done before, I went to the Productive Woman Community Facebook group for insights and ideas, and I'm going to be sharing some of those in this episode. So, uh, you know, what do relationships have to do with productivity? When I raised the question of this topic in the Facebook group, there was a lot of interest, a lot of ideas shared. And as I said, I'm going to share those in this episode. Sarah kind of responded saying, I love this idea. After listening to your podcast for years, I'm starting to feel pretty productive at work and home, but often worry it comes at the cost of relationships. And, um, That just really caught my attention. I think it's interesting that we often feel like our efforts to be productive result in us being maybe too occupied or too preoccupied to spend meaningful time with the people who matter most to us. And yet- the purpose of being productive in the sense of getting things done is often, um, at least in our minds, the, the reason we're doing this stuff is to improve our lives and, and the lives of the people we care about. The, the things we're doing on the personal side often are intended to benefit or, or improve life for our family and our friends. The things we do on the professional side uh, often are intended to improve Thing, life for our clients or customers. And yet we feel like we get so busy doing those things that maybe we don't have time to invest in those relationships. Chris Bailey, in his book, The Productivity Project, says some things that I think um, really go to the heart of this question. He says, relationships give us purpose and meaning. Without people, productivity is meaningless. He goes on to say, people are why we do what we do and why we push ourselves to accomplish more. Surrounding ourselves with people has sh- been shown to make us happier and more engaged and makes us want to be more productive too. People are the reason for productivity. I just think that um, that really sums it up and, and, and it's why I'm talking about this today. There's research that's been done and I, I'll you know, I'll link to some articles in the show notes for this episode that that talk about this, that uh, one article said basically that relationships underpin healthier, happier, more productive people and societies. Um, this was an article called The Relationship of Relationships to Productivity. And I want to say that again, relationships underpin healthier, happier, more productive people and societies. So what kind of relationships are we talking about uh, and I'm, I'm going to touch on both of these throughout this episode um, We're talking about first of all I guess personal relationships whether it's romantic or parental or or friendship types of relationships but things kind of outside of our, our job our business world I think I've mentioned that recently I certainly I think I've mentioned it in the Facebook group, Uh, how much I liked Courtney Carver's new book, Soulful Simplicity. Courtney was our guest in a recent episode. Her new book came out at the end of December and it really has been, um, thought provoking and influential for me i'm actually going to do a, an episode coming upcoming episode in our uh, productive reading recurring series about soulful simplicity um the last section of that book is uh, about how as courtney puts it simplicity is the way back to love she has a lot to say in the book about how simplifying our lives can make room for more of what really matters which is people She encourages us to be clear about what doesn't matter, to make space to be present, and as she puts it, and I'm quoting here, fully engaged in your present moments, in your relationships, and in your life. So um, she talks about how having too much stuff, too much on our calendar, too much on our to do list interferes with relationships. And there's so much that could be said about that. A lack of sleep or distraction, exhaustion, overwhelm, all those things keep us from being present for those we care about. We do so much and often trying to do better and do more for our families, for instance. And Courtney in, in the book reminds us, She says, the very best way to serve your family is to show up and be present. Be there. Eliminate the distractions that prevent you from seeing, hearing, and appreciating the people you love. Really wise and thought provoking to me, anyway. So, we're going to be talking about personal relationships and some of the things we can do to nurture those as part of making a life that matters and being productive in the very best sense. We'll also talk about business relationships. And those are relationships with coworkers, with our boss, with clients and customers. There's a ton of research. I, I, I mean, I found, I can't even tell you how many articles I found that show, uh, that talk about the research that shows good relationships at work boost productivity in the sense of just producing, getting the stuff done that brings the dollars in the door that, that, that are the reason, the work that is the reason for whatever business you're involved in. Uh, there was research c- cited in uh, Bailey's book, The Productivity Project that I mentioned earlier, that says that people are seven times more likely to be highly engaged at work when they have a best friend there And, and I'm quoting from the study, engaged people represent more productive as well as happier people. In another book by psychologist Ron Friedman, it's called The Best Place to Work, he explains why workplace friendships boost productivity. He says, and and again, I'm quoting, when colleagues are close, a poor effort means more than a dissatisfied customer or an unhappy manager. It means letting down your friends. So good relationships at work improve workplace productivity. One article said that when you have quality relationships, you can give and receive support from peers across departments and across an industry. You can come together faster as a team to strategize and problem solve And you don't lose time, money or reputation in the market trying to gain rapport with other departments and employees before you can start fixing problems. This article goes on to say showing an interest in what others are doing helps build a culture of reciprocity. If you show an interest in and help others, they're more likely to be interested and help you. So, you know that's kind of a su- very quick summary of the benefits of good relationships at work. Uh, there, there are some studies though that show workplace friendships have a downside as well. Uh, one one study that I read about, and I'm quoting here again, says that workplace friendships uh, comes with came comes with costs. The biggest perhaps being distraction, and it's talking about you know the the water cooler chatting and the maybe ex- taking longer breaks to socialize can steal time from work, making it more stressful to get the work done w- when we're f- focused. This article says, having friends at work also triggered a higher rate of emotional exhaustion. Keeping up with more and deeper relationships is tough. Those relationships can also be the source of stress when new opportunities like promotions present themselves. It's much more likely that we'll feel envious of people we're close to. While the emotional toll, now this is important though, um, the article says, while the emotional toll itself decreased performance in these studies that it's talking about, the positive gains from having a coworker who is also a friend more than outweighed the negatives. So personal relationships professional relationships both of those are impacted by our productivity efforts and have an impact on our ability to be productive so most of the rest of this episode i want to talk about some practical ideas for how to maintain and nurture relationships and a lot of this came from from uh, members of the Productive Woman community and uh, who, who shared them in the Facebook group. And I really appreciate everybody that, that participated in this conversation. It was fascinating. So first some general tips. And, I, and I'm and i summarizing a lot of things that were said in the conversation and that I've uh, found in my research. Uh, f- number one, the the importance of intentional scheduling, getting regular get togethers with family, friends, colleagues, clients, whatever, on the calendar, doing it on purpose. Corinne said, all this may sound very calculated when relationships are very personal, but if I don't do this kind of deliberate scheduling, things just swamp me and it'll be months before I talk to my best friend or weeks for my mom and I to connect. Um, Time passes quickly. And that's so true. True. Jody totally agreed with Corinne saying, although it sounds a bit structured for non-work stuff, you got to schedule those relationships in your calendar. As Corinne mentioned, write down specific things you want to check in with your friends and family about during that scheduled time. And Jody said, you know, when she shared this comment, she says, "My friend has a job interview on Monday, and a colleague is sending out her first uh, bookkeeping boot camp email series next week." She says, "I've got notes about all this in my calendar, so I can check in with them." The, the The idea is being intentional and purposeful about it, making notes, keeping track of these things. One of the things I do when I learn of a birthday, whether it's a, a Facebook friend or a writer friend, a podcasting friend, a colleague or a a client, I will note it on my calendar. So the next, next time it comes and I'll make it, you know, a recurring thing for every year. So I can remember to say happy birthday to them, or if they've had a new child or something like that, but using the productivity tools that you have to keep track of these sorts of things and to, you know, remind you to check in and, and, and say kind words to someone that you care about. Katie agreed with both Jody and Corinne. Said, uh, Katie said, if it doesn't get scheduled and get on a regular rotation, it doesn't happen. I completely forget about making time with people. So she says, my husband and I have a standing Thursday night date on our calendar. And this year I'm instituting a last Sunday of the month brunch at our home with our friends. If it's scheduled and regular, I can count on it. And so can my relationships. I love that idea of just, you know, putting an appointment on your calendar with the people that you care about to make sure that, that, that the important things get done. So intentional scheduling is one kind of general tip that applies across the board, whether it's personal or professional relationships. The second one is practicing mindfulness is important. When we're distracted and not present, our relationships suffer. And on the other side of it, learning to be aware and present improves our relationships. Um, Andy Pudicombe, who's the voice of the Headspace uh, guided meditation app, has written a book called The Headspace Guide to Meditation and Mindfulness. And I've been reading, uh, you know, a few pages of that each morning as part of my morning routine. And I, I made a note of something that I read when I was preparing for this episode. He, he says, by being mindful, it actually puts you back in the room with the other person or people the implications of mindfulness for all our relationships are enormous. Imagine what it would be like to have someone give you their full and undivided attention. Imagine what it would be like to return the favor. I just thought that was very important. Uh, He also says later on in the book, In becoming more aware of everything and everyone, you inevitably become more aware of others. You start to notice how sometimes you might unintentionally or even intentionally push their buttons or notice what causes them to push yours. You start to listen to what they're actually saying rather than thinking about what you'd like them to say or what you're going to say next. And when these things begin to happen, you'll notice that your relationships with others really start to change. But so long as we're immersed in our own thoughts the whole time, it's very difficult to find to truly find time for others. And that really made me think about how often am I with others and not really with them. You know, we've all made that charge against someone that we care about who's kind of not there. So practicing mindfulness in general can have a very positive impact on our relationships. And the third kind of general tip or, or concept that I wanted to throw out there was that we can use the tools that we have to build and nurture our relationships. And there were a bunch of ideas that people in the community threw out along this idea. Kelly says, she says, I've not been great at this, but I had the idea each week go through the contacts you know, so your contacts, your address book of one letter and think about calling or texting those people. If you do that, you'd look at each letter of the alphabet twice in a year. And I love that idea. Um, Just to open up your, your contacts list and kind of skim through it through one letter each week and consider, is there someone in there you should reach out to? This would be great for personal relationships, people that you don't, um, you know, that you're not in contact with all the time, but you'd like to just reconnect with or stay in touch with. It could also be really, really great for business relationships, a client that maybe you haven't had any work from in a while, or that you haven't talked to in a while. Could you check in with them? And this would just be a a quick way to remind you. Corinne, um, also said, I schedule some of the other people in my task list. I see a reminder to check in with Kristen and I'll set something up with her. So use your to-do list as a a tool for nurturing these relationships. Uh, Corinne also said she calls her mother who lives three hours away while she's driving home from work. It lets um, them have an unhurried conversation and catch up without other things pulling at them uh, she also tries this with a best friend who lives in another time zone. And folks pointed out, as, as Corinne said, uh, you know, doing that while you're driving or if you have a long commute is great. Rachel pointed out that we should always be careful uh, to do this safely. Um, phone calls when driving are a distraction, you know, it should only be done if you can do it safely. Usually that's going to be hands free. Some states don't, uh, now don't allow you to talk on the phone at all. But if, if it can be done in a safe way, it's a great way to use that time. Dinah says that hands-free is the law in Australia where she is. And she says she spent three years working in a local town, about an hour commute each direction. And she would use that time to call friends and family a couple afternoons each week. So it can be a great way to do it, but course, be safe. Cheryl brought up a really great idea and, and Deidre kind of echoed it. Cheryl says that she and her three daughters text in groups, so they all have a response from someone. And she says, for instance, this morning, my youngest had to pick up her disabled husband when his therapist didn't call him in within 30 minutes of his appointment. Um, she texted her frustration to her two sisters and, her, and me, her mom, Cheryl, her mom, uh, and we gave her suggestions on what to do and perspectives from a medical provider standpoint. And she says some days it's just pure silliness, uh, but we text each other in this group almost every day. Uh, and it's a great way for them to stay in touch. She said her, her family, they live hours away from each other. So it's a way for them to stay in touch with these frequent texting conversations. If if you're texting a group there's almost always going to be somebody who can respond. Deidre said the same thing. Her family has a messenger group. I think she means Facebook messenger and they send each other they text everything to each other, jokes, videos, family news, pictures and prayer requests. And it's a lot of fun and an easy way to kind of just stay in touch so that, you know, those are three kind of general tips, intentionally scheduling those get togethers, practicing mindfulness so that when you're with the people you love, you're actually with them and using the tools you have to kind of manage and, and make time to pay attention to these things. So the the next section, I wanted to share some uh, ideas that different people had for nurturing family relationships. And so there are a bunch of really great ideas here. Corinne again said uh, on her, the personal side, I've she sent an intention this year to connect more deeply with her husband and her children in their love language. Oh, my mind has just gone blank on the guy who wrote... The, the book about the love languages. I'll try to find that and put a link in the show notes. But Corinne says, when I do my weekly planning, I figure out what acts of service I'll do for my husband, what words of affirmation I'll give my daughter who lives overseas, so often it's just send her a card and hugging my son every day. And so far she says it's working pretty well. So understanding. Um, how, uh, you know, this idea of love languages, different people perceive love through different means. For some, it's acts of service. For some, it's words of affirmation. For some, it's, um, I forget what the other ones are. But anyway, understanding those people you care about and how they receive love best and finding intentional ways to express love in a way that is meaningful to them. Sephra uh, talked about time-blocking. Um, which she says helps her to be finished with her work, usually by the time her husband gets home. She says, this allows us to have evenings together. If I can't manage to get it all done, I will often suggest a coffee date where we sit across from each other at a coffee shop and somewhat do our own thing. Although this is certainly more disconnected than just hanging out, it still gives us the chance to chit chat a little and gives a sense of camaraderie. So, you know, you can make those times if you both have projects to work On maybe you can work on them kind of side by side and still get to talk a little bit. Nancy said, uh, When I had working teenagers in the home, I requested their work schedules every week. When doing my weekly review, I used a week, a vertical hourly, weekly calendar. Using a different color for each person, I put a line down the hours they, myself, or hubby were working, school, church, other things. This allowed me to find blocks of time we could be together. I then sent out my, and I'm quoting here, forced family fun text messages. I love that. So it was kind of a, all right, I've looked at the schedule. This is when we've got time when nobody's at work or at school. And so we're going to go have fun, darn it. Uh, I love the idea. But, you know, again, it's back to that idea of being intentional about making time to spend face to face with those people you care about. She says later she started using the Doodle app and sending everyone polls for the details such as restaurants and movie suggestions and so on. And I'll put a link for the Doodle app. It's This is a, a tool that you can use for co- kind of coordinating schedules with multiple people. So instead of sending texts and emails back and forth to fo- try and find a time, you just create a little poll, send it out to everybody. Everyone can click on which options uh, work for them, and then you, you find which one works for everybody and you're good to go. So it's a great tool. I had never thought about using it for this way, but it's perfect for that. Elizabeth says uh, my husband and I have coffee every day when we both get home if it's late it might be decaf but we still sit down every day if it's a day on the weekend and we're not doing something together but are both at home we will stop and sit down for coffee this has gone on for 30 years during this time we often talk about our goals and plans so it helps us support each other which helps us be productive. Uh, I, I love that idea of having this sort of standing date that, it, you know, it's not maybe a specific time, but just when we all, when we both get home, we're going to sit down for some period of time and talk about these things. Again, it's about being intentional, putting those routines in place to make sure that you're, you're spending the time that's needed to nurture those relationships. Diane from, or I'm sorry, Dinah from Australia says, Uh, for my kids, I would allow them one day per term as a mental health day. We started when they were around 12 years old. My eldest had ADHD and ODD and the effort to behave at school went better when we all, including the teacher, knew he would have time off. We extended it to all three kids as it worked and it worked out as being a great way to spend one-on-one time. I really like that idea of just you know I mean, we as adults, often in our jobs, we have a personal day that we're entitled to take, and we talk about taking a mental health day, just taking a break. What a great idea to to allow your kids to have one of those per term school term where you're going to spend that those that day together, so great suggestion, Dinah. Angelica says, Sundays I spend with my mom. Monday I save for dinner with someone from family. Wednesday is church night. Date night is Thursdays, et cetera. This has worked for me for years. So again, there you there you have the routine and you just know this evening is gonna be devoted to this person and, and so on. Intentional scheduling. Deidre says, we schedule family home evening each Monday night. Everyone knows we don't plan anything else that evening. No phone calls, homework gets done early, etc. If something unavoidable comes up, we shift it to a different night, but that's a rare occurrence because everyone knows we have a standing date. We do things like talk together, take turns teaching a lesson, play games, visit grandparents, have a movie night, and so on, followed by dessert. It's nice to know that however busy things get during the week, we have special time set aside to honor our important family relationships. I really love this idea. And Deidre, I I asked for a little more details. Uh, Deidre and her husband have six daughters and two sons ranging in age from 12 to 30. Um, Only three of them are home full-time now because some of them are away at college, but they, st- they still love to get together and they have so many great memories of their family home e- uh, evenings. So uh, consider that as a way to st- strengthen those relationships in a family that can be going a million different directions, but just setting aside a day that it's going to, uh, you know, one evening a week that is, is family time and it's a non-negotiable. We're all going to be here and we're going to do some things together. Sharon from Liverpool in the UK says, I'm a mom of two teenagers with a blended family who include two grown-up stepchildren and four granddaughters. I work a range of different hours and shifts in a control room for the police. We cover 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and my husband works 12-hour night shifts most weekends. We enjoy date mornings over breakfast after the children have gone to school. Uh, We've also gone to cinema, to the cinema early in the morning. Sometimes we enjoy us time at home through the day and catch up on something from TV that we watch together. Uh, And I thought, you know, there you go. Whatever your schedule may be, maybe you can't do the evenings, but you can find a breakfast time when you can do something special together. And I just thought that was uh, really really a great suggestion. So those are just some ideas for family, uh, ways of, of nurturing those family relationships and friend relationships. To add more to the friend ideas, there were some other suggestions that folks had. Christine said, uh, honestly, a big step for me has been acknowledging that I only want close relationships with a very few people. I'm fine with occasionally doing some activities." Uh, with colleagues and casual friends, but I no longer feel guilty about limiting those activities to allow for sufficient time with family, intimate friends, and alone. She says, I'm an introvert. So you know, th- th- I think that's a really good point. Like in everything else uh, we talk about on this show, sometimes more isn't better. And we can really look at what's most important to us, whether it's the stuff we have or the, the people in our lives, and focus our time and our energy and our attention on the ones that really matter most of all by um, sort of calling the list a little bit and spending less time with superficial relationships in order to, to spend more time on the most important, deeper ones. Samantha said, I'm like you, Christine, small number of quality relationships. Uh, Samantha says, we have a big table and every few months, if we haven't seen our friends, we invite them all over for homemade pizza. We have six to eight adults around the table and the kids eat while standing, running, and playing. It's not very formal, but we have a lot of laughs. No one needs to worry about babysitters. If it's hot, the kids play under the sprinkler. In the winter, they play video games or watch movies. It's fairly cheap. The food is good and we can be as loud as we want. And right now with younger kids, it works great. And Samantha, I thought that was such a good idea. If you're at that stage of life where you've got kids and maybe your friends have kids rather than trying to go out for an evening, just have everybody over. We used to do that. I remember years ago when we had, you know, five little kids at home And one of our, a couple that was really good friends of ours also had four or five kids. We, there was not a time for the four adults to go out to, to, you know, dinner or whatever. So they'd come over to our house or we'd go over to theirs. We'd fix something simple to eat, to make sure the kids got to eat. And then, you know, the adults we'd play uh pinochle or rummy or something and while the kids played. And we'd pause when we needed to, to change a diaper or whatever. And we had that, was, I have such good memories of those times. So it doesn't have to be expensive to, to build these relationships, just intentional. And then uh, just one thought about uh, in, uh, encouraging the relationships with coworkers um, Sephra said, when it comes to co-workers, I try to build time into my work schedule occasionally to just go visit with people, discuss ideas, or s- just say hi. If they happen to have a moment, all of this helps immensely with my productivity as a lot of my personal motivation is about building relationships. I do have to be careful not to spend all of my time just talking to people though. Teaching is a good profession for me. So I thought, you know, th- that's a great idea, uh, Uh, the last couple of firms that I was at, we had a chat app on our computers that we could use to communicate short messages outside of email. And uh, honestly, sometimes it was business related, a question about something uh, that needed to be done or whatever. So a lot of times it was just, you know, joking around and fun stuff that happened. And, And that was a way of kind of just continuing those relationships, even though we were all in our separate offices getting work done. Another thing you can do that kind of goes with the idea of, um, you know, intentional scheduling is uh, just to uh, purposely schedule a regular lunch with a colleague or two, Uh, get that on the schedule and um, catch up on what's going on. So, there were a lot of wise insights and ideas from the community members on this idea of building relationships in order to be more productive. Uh, th- there was one particular member of the community that shared uh, some thoughts uh, that I thought were so wise and really uh, summarized a lot of what I've said and what people in the community have said about why this matters and what we can do about it, why it's important to build relationships and how we can do it. Um, And Carol shared this in an email and she gave me permission to share it. She says, I've recently turned more of my attention to my relationships as I've realized how much I need and want to have better and stronger relationships in my life. My husband and I have been married for 12 years and have a seven year old son. During our entire time together, I've had a very demanding career at a fast growing company. I've recently decided decided to leave that job and take some time off to consider my next move. The biggest part of that decision was made by the realization that my relationships were all in very bad states. I've been working on rebuilding them and the trust that's needed for good relationships what I've found is that it comes down to three critical components, time, attention, and practice. Time is all about recognizing that it's not the slivers of time that is needed, but real dedicated time to be with someone to do normal as well as special activities together. For my son, it meant teaching him how to cook with me each weekend and getting outdoors for activities like tennis and walks where we could laugh and connect with each other. For my husband, it was time to talk that wasn't created out of an argument. Neutral time just to just check in with each other and see how things are going. With friends, it meant scheduling time to get together for walks or coffee so we could talk and really catch up with each other. Attention is about really being where I am when I'm there. I found that even when I wasn't at work, I was thinking or worrying about it, really giving myself and those I was spending time with my full attention made a huge difference to our connection and to our enjoyment of that time. And practice is about creating ways to build consistency or habit into these connections with people I care about most cooking every Saturday with my son, coffee in the morning with my husband, Sunday morning walks with friends, scheduling and prioritizing this time. The other thing I would say is that my first relationship is with myself and I need to engage with time, attention and practice with myself too. As I've begun unwinding myself from my job and preparing to take a sabbatical before looking for work, I've realized that what helped make the lack of care and attention with my relationships easier was the lack of care and attention I gave myself. And I want to really thank Carol for sharing that because I think it so well summarizes where a lot of us are and, and a lot of the ideas, not only from the research, but from the community that building relationships is about time. It's about attention and it's about practice and I would, you know, reiterate some of the thoughts that I, I mentioned before that Chris Bailey and the Productivity Project said that people are the reason for productivity. And Courtney in so, uh, Courtney Carver in Soulful Simplicity um, says the very best way to serve your family, and I would add, or anyone else, is to show up and be present be there. Eliminate the distractions that prevent you from seeing, hearing, and appreciating the people you love. Uh, All of these things wrap up in that those ideas and what Carol shared uh, for me is remembering that a life that matters almost always matters in relation to people. And knowing that, honoring that is how we can be productive Uh, more productive in the sense of getting the things done that uh, we care about and making a life that matters. But what do you think? How do your relationships impact your productivity? Or how do you think your productivity efforts affect your relationships? What things do you do to nurture the relationships that are important to you? I would love to hear your thoughts on this because, uh, you know, I certainly don't have all the answers. And this is, What I hope is going to be a beginning, the beginning of an ongoing conversation in the Productive Woman community. So you can share your questions, your ideas, your thoughts about this in the comment section of the show notes, which again, you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 177. Or you can post a comment or question on uh, in the in the Productive Woman Community Facebook page if you're a member there, or on the face I mean in the Facebook group if you're a member of the group, or on the Productive Woman Facebook page. And there'll be links to all of those in the show notes as well. If you want to share your thoughts with me privately, I'm always happy to hear from you and engage in that conversation. You can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And uh, I would love to hear from you. Uh, That really, I think we're kind of wrapping up. Please don't forget to check out our sponsor, FreshBooks. Remember that they're offering that 30-day unrestricted free trial to The Productive Woman listeners. And so if you're interested, if you're running a business and part of your goals for 2018 or to get the money piece of it under control, claim that 30-day trial by going to freshbooks.com slash woman and enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for supporting the productive woman. And that, my friends, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, I really am so grateful to you for spending your time with me. I hope you found it worthwhile. Hope you found something in this that's helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.